0: You would pray with me before we open God's word together, Lord. We thank you uh, for your word. We thank you that it is eternal and that it is life giving, and it teaches us and corrects us and encourages us. We thank you that you give us the gift of your Spirit to lead and guide us and teach us as we open your word. And so, as we often do, we just uh, confess that we can't do this without you. That we need you here, moving in guiding us and teaching us and so we pray that you would come and through your spirit that you would teach us this morning and that you would apply the truths of your eternal word to our hearts and our minds that you would uh, guide us and correct us and I pray that we would be encouraged that we would see you more clearly I pray if there's areas in our life that we need convicting that your spirit would convict us but then also remind us of the grace that you freely give to us and I pray that in all those things that we would see you more clearly that we would see uh, the great gift that we have in Jesus and and how all of that holds together in you. And, and for that, we thank you and we pray it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I think there's things in our life, I was thinking about this this week, that things that we know and then there's things that we, we know, right? If you know what I mean, there's things that we know kind of intellectually and then things that we really, really know. And, and I was thinking back to To being in school, Uh, as most of you know, I've mentioned before, my undergraduate degree is in architecture. And so studying architecture and buildings and places and and all this kind of different things. And and you go in classes and you look at slides and you memorize who the architect was and when and why this is important and those sorts of things. And then uh, as I got out of school later on, I I was very fortunate to get to take a trip to Europe for a couple of months. And there was uh, all these buildings I chose everywhere I wanted to go by the buildings I wanted to see in all these different places. And so I remember I, I knew uh, who Palladio was and I knew in Vincenza there's all these buildings he did. And I knew the Villa Rotunda is there. And uh, and I knew that intellectually. But then as I rode the train into Vincenza and I got off and I walked around that town and I saw his buildings and I followed this little path to the Villa Rotunda. And there it is on a hillside in the middle of the countryside of Italy, I knew the Villa Rotunda in a new way, in a way I didn't know it before. I knew it in experience now of seeing it and where it was and looking at it and sitting there and drawing sketches of it and that sort of thing. Or, or I remember going from there and later on in my trip, going to Athens, going to Greece and, and making my way up to the Acropolis in the center uh, of the city and the old spot where, where they would meet and they would talk and all those things. And I knew close by uh, that act 17, Paul at Mars Hill proclaiming to the unknown God. I kind of knew that was around there. And I remember making my way and walking all the way up there. And as I made my way up, there was a guy uh, reading from acts 17, proclaiming the truth of God's word in English. And he was saying, and he got done and he said, and this is where Paul said this on this rock. And I went, oh. you know, I wasn't expecting, I didn't know exactly where it was. And then I saw it and it was like, it opened my eyes. I saw act 17 differently just in seeing that place and being there and seeing it and kind of feeling that way, or, or maybe the best example in my life is when, uh, my son, right before my son Asher was born, we, we were fortunate enough. It was kind of the new thing at the time. It's becoming more and more common, but we got a 3d ultrasound. If you've ever seen these, they're incredible. It's a three dimensional picture of your child in the womb and you could see his features and his face and all these things. And I knew there is my son. I know I'm a father and there he is. And then two months later, he's born and I hold him. And now I know my son. There he is. Right. I knew it intellectually. I'm having a child. This is going to be my son. But now I know it. And so there's ways of, of knowing and we know intellectually. And then there's no ways of knowing experientially and things that we go through and then we see more fully. And it doesn't mean that we didn't know it before. It didn't mean that we didn't believe it before. It didn't mean that we weren't really believing that. But now we know it in a deeper and fuller way. And so I start there and I I mentioned that this morning as we continue on in this series. We're I think the fifth week now. We've been talking about how do we trust God in the midst of suffering, kind of walking with God through the different things that come into our life. And part of what we're going to look at and think on today is what God is teaching us. In the midst of those things, as we're going through them, what he's teaching us, what we've really been hitting on the last four weeks as we've talked, as we've been kind of laying groundwork of things we know about God and who he is and what he tells us. And they're all uh, vitally important to understand and to hold to and to know. But today we're going to switch a little bit on what is God teaching us actually through our suffering and what we're going through and where we are in those things. And so to this point we've covered, we talked about God's sovereignty in the book of Job. And when we don't understand that God is still sovereign, we talked about Jesus being near to us uh, in our suffering. We talked about how Jesus understands and knows. Uh, we said that God knows all things, but uh, he even knows our suffering experientially as Jesus in the incarnation comes and walks among us. And then last week, we even talked about how God uses the futility that is in creation because of sin and how he's going to reverse that and what that means for us and how that is the way he was redeeming not only us, but his good creation. And so we've talked about all these big, important things. But today I want us to think about this picture of what he teaches us in the midst of our suffering, what he's doing in it. And so we're going to look at Romans Chapter five, we're going to look at verses one through five. Dennis read one through eleven for us. We're really going to focus in on verses one through five this morning as we think about this picture of what God is showing us and what he's teaching us in it. And so what we're going to see is is oftentimes I say this, I love to to ask questions and we answer them. A lot of times we do three questions and then we'll go through those. So, yeah, today I'm not going to do that. And the reason I'm not going to do that is there kind of four things Paul's telling you and they're just so clear and they're so Uh, Just straight right there. I don't need to have questions and tell you all this. I'm just going to show you those things. And so what we're going to look at is what Paul tells us is happening in our suffering. And he talks about in verse three, and we're really going to focus our time on verses three, four and five. But where he says we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering and then he says produces endurance and endurance uh, then gives way to character and then character hope. And then he ends with this picture of the Holy Spirit being poured out in our lives and what that looks like this assurance that we have through the Spirit. And so that's what we're going to look at, this perseverance, character, hope, and then this assurance that God gives us in all that. And so there's a lot of different byproducts of each one of those as we walk through them. And we're going to hit on a couple of those the next two weeks as we wrap up this series but today kind of big picture what he shows us and what Paul tells us as God is teaching us through that and so before we look at those four the the perseverance and the character and the hope and that assurance that's there you have to set the foundation of what Paul says there at the beginning of that and that's in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5 last week we were in Romans chapter 8 And I did in 30 seconds, Romans one to seven, big picture, just trying to root us in where Paul's thinking is going. And so I'm not going to go through all that this morning, but just big picture. Paul really summarizes everything he tells us in Romans one through four in the first line of chapter five, when he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, he's just spent all this time telling us. That we are sinners and we are separated from God. And it doesn't matter if you grew up religious or irreligious or what that looks like. That we all know our conscience bears witness. We have been separated from God because of our sin. And now Christ has come and done what we could never do for us. And then he says you are saved by faith in Christ alone and what he does. You get to Romans chapter 13. Uh, Three. And we always say the Romans road that just leads you straight through the picture of salvation and what God's done, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so Paul reminds us kind of that he does that often. He kind of summarizes what he said and and what he's moving through. Uh, Chapter four, right before that, he tells us that it's always been that way. We've always been saved by faith. Abraham was saved by faith. That's his example in chapter four. And so then he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And that's really what we talked about last week, that we have this marvelous hope, this confident assurance in what is to come because of what Christ has done, that he is going to redeem all things, that he's going to uh, redeem his good creation. He's going to redeem us. He's going to redeem our bodies. He's going to set us in this new creation. And we talked about how wonderful that is. And we have this glorious hope. That we are no longer separated from God because of our sin. When we put our faith in Jesus, he restores us. That he gives us access and what a beautiful picture that is. So I just say that as kind of recap. That's the the heart of the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus that we are saved by what God does for us and restored into that relationship. And so Paul says there in verse 2, and in that we rejoice. We rejoice. And we say amen and absolutely yes. We rejoice in that every time we gather together, whether it's here or during the week. We rejoice that we are God's through Christ and what he's done. But what I want you to look at and think on this morning is what he says at the beginning of verse three. But then he says more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. And so he tells you this glorious future and hope. That is there. And then he doesn't say, and more than that, you just got to wait it out until you get there. He says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Even now, we rejoice in the things that we go through. And we talked about last week, the things that we go through, the futility of creation groaning because of sin has entered and what happened there and what that looks like. And so Paul and what he says here, we rejoice in our suffering is not unique to Paul's letter to the Romans, you see this all throughout scripture. In fact, in, in our prayer breakfast, we've been wa- working through first Peter and what I just read to you this morning in first Peter, even though we're we're uh, we're being tested and the things that are in us, the various trials. If we suffer now for a little while, the way Peter says that we've been tested by various trials, he says we rejoice even present tense. We're rejoicing in present tense, intense things that are happening. And Peter says that. Or you read in James chapter one, consider it all joy, brothers, when you meet various trials in your life. And so you see this over and over. This is not unique to Paul, but he tells us that that we're to rejoice in our sufferings we're to exult in what's going on right now. And I think the picture as we work through these four things that he's telling us, what he's showing us and what he's pointing us to is he tells us that what we know, the glorious hope that we have in Christ, and the future that has come, as we go through difficult times, we begin to know. Really know. Know it in a different way. And so I want us to think about that as he takes us through those. And so just begin in verse 3. These four things he tells us. The first thing he tells us there in verse 3. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our sufferings produce endurance. We could say perseverance. That when we go through hard times that we begin to walk through them and it begins to produce endurance. We begin to have to get through those times. And when we say that and we talk about rejoicing in our sufferings, trusting God in the midst of suffering, uh, persevering through those things, uh, that can be very, very difficult times. We see this all throughout Scripture. It's not hard times come and they hit you and something big happens and you immediately are just praise God, this is great and I see how it all works out. A lot of times it's just putting one foot in front of the other and each day walking through that. A lot of times when we read the Psalms, it's going, God, what's going on here? I'm not really understanding how you're working in this. I'm not really sure what you're teaching me right now. But that is a picture of that endurance and perseverance as we walk through and we ask God those questions. We're walking with Him. And we're continuing the conversation and we're saying out of faith, I don't get it. And I'm not sure I need you to help me here. And oftentimes that's what that looks like, that enduring it through those difficult times. You begin to ask those questions and you begin to seek him. And it's just each day one step in front of the other. And sometimes that can be really, really difficult and really hard to get up and to continue to do that and continue to walk through that. But as we walk through that, that begins to build into us a resiliency, uh, a strengthening of our character. There's things that we begin uh, to see and, and God's showing us in that. I was thinking about uh, just different things that I've seen. My, my boys, and this is probably not the best example in the world, but my boys and I love to watch American Ninja Warrior together. If you've ever seen the show. It's an a obstacle course. It's like this insane obstacle course. And these guys, it'd be like climbing up these rafters and jumping to that one and swinging from the chandelier and all kinds of crazy stuff. Just to get, if you've never seen it. And they do all these incredible feats. And every year, we'll, I'll watch it in the summer with the boys. And each year, the guys get further and further. There'll be some obstacle that no one has ever defeated. And then 50 guys will go and they'll all fail miserably. And then miraculously, one guy will get it. And every time that happens, like two guys after him, that guy gets it. And then the next guy and all of a sudden it's like suddenly oh, that one's not that hard. And, you know, you start looking at it kind of that way. And so when you see people persevere and endure through that, it's like it kicks the door open a little bit. and You go, yeah, we can make it through that. And you see that. Or I see that in my own son right now. He had a uh, he's having a, a scope this week on his esophagus for. Uh, a thing that he has going on. And he did that six months ago and he went through it and he did it great. And now he's going to have another one this week. And every time I've asked him about it, he's kind of like, yeah, oh, it's OK. Right. And so I see it strengthening of, of enduring through that and doing it. And now he can do it again. And so, by the way, that's for Asher. So pray for Asher this week because that's Tuesday that he's having that done. And so we praying for him that that's a good report as we do that. But you see that in things that as we begin to endure and sometimes that's very difficult and that can be a very long process. But as you begin to endure, there's a resiliency and a strength that comes from that. And then Paul says the next thing he says, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And then verse four, endurance produces character that as you begin to go and, and again, that's that's asking God and wrestling with him and walking through that. But as you put one step in front of the other and you keep going and you do that, it gives way to what it calls a, a character, a proven character. That what you're saying, I trust God, I love Jesus, he is my savior, I'm going to trust him. And that begins to be borne out in your life and it becomes a proven character that, yes, you do. But it's not just lip service that I really am trusting God in these things. And that begins to show forth in your character and what you're doing. Uh, it's a, a, a beautiful picture of, of a realness of your faith that you are trusting God. And that doesn't mean there's not steps where you're frustrated or you're asking questions or those things are coming in. But you continue to ask and you continue to walk with them and you begin to see that picture Not that I just say that I love God, but it's actually seeing it in your life. And when that happens, it's a powerful witness to those that watch and see what's going on in your life. But it's also a powerful witness to yourself that God is with you and that He is sustaining you and walking with you in this. And those aren't easy times. But you start to see that He's there and He's walking with you. And it does become a, a marvelously powerful witness. I was thinking just about that picture, proven character, endurance of walking through those things and that witness that comes and the way that is and and what what it looks like to have that proven character. And I was thinking about uh, just this week. I've had the privilege in the last four years to be involved in some different funerals right here at Church of the Apostles. I remember standing in this room and being here with uh, uh, Don Smating's funeral. Those of you that knew Don Smating and his family and rejoicing over Don's life or or Merle Meredith recently and going and being there and the people that gathered. Or uh, I remember standing right here in this packed room for Charlie Salter, my friend Charlie. And and here we are packed together and we're mourning the loss of Charlie. We love Charlie. And we're hearing about what he's done and and people are mourning and they hear that. But then in the midst of that, there's a rejoicing. There's a rejoicing of what God did in his life and that he was his. Right. There was a rejoicing of of we know uh, verses one and two. We know what Paul says there and we see that and you see uh, this proven character. I got to stand up and say we are not. Uh, We are mourning for ourselves because we miss Charlie, right? We're mourning, but we're not mourning for Charlie because he's with Jesus. And his whole family is going, yes, that is right. Amen. That is wonderful. And it's this wonderful witness of this character of we're not just trusting God when things are going good. But now that we've lost our father, yes, God is good and he's got him. And it was a beautiful testimony. It's a beautiful testimony to guys that Charlie had been witnessing to his whole life that came to his funeral that didn't know Jesus. And they saw his family saying, yes, we are testifying to who God is. And so you see this proven character. There's a, a realness to that witness when that happens. And so what a beautiful picture of what that is. So it's, it's a glorious thing to see a, a saint who spent their whole life following Christ and they go to be home with them and we get to celebrate it. The proven character of walking through that. But then follow what Paul says in, in verse, the end of verse 4 and then verse 5. Because he says this endurance produces character and then character produces hope. And so he takes just logically, Paul is so logical in the way his flow of thought and what he says. And he goes through this and he shows us this endurance to character to this hope. And I want you to follow that logic here and what he's saying. In trials and in suffering and as you have to just put one foot in front of the other and in difficult times that can be so overwhelming and you just continue to walk and trust God. And then over time you begin to see a character that's born out of that, that you are still trusting God and you are still walking with him and he is still sustaining you and he's still with you. And then what begins to happen is that proven character is revealed and you see how that is. You see that there's this hope that's born. And now there's there's a picture of of knowing here and knowing, right? We know and we believe the hope of the glory that we have. He talks about in verse two and we know this. But as we walk through these things, trusting God and faith and moving through that and moving through that, we can see that we are his. And he's sustaining us in that. And it's giving us a clearer and clearer picture of like what we looked at last week in Romans eight. Those he called, he justified and those he justified, he glorified. That he's going to finish that work as you walk through those things. And it begins to show us this hope that's in us. We see it more clearly. When we talk about biblical hope, we mean a confident assurance in the things that are to come. And as God sustains us in the most difficult of times, we see more and more clearly how we are his. And that he still has us. And that he's still walking with us. And he's still there in that. And the more that you see that, the more of a a proven track record kind of emerges. Now, God was always faithful. He was always going to do what he said he was going to do. But in our limited, sinful self, sometimes we don't believe that. Or sometimes intellectually we say, yes, and I know that and I believe that, but we don't really believe it. I always say, yes, I know God is good and he is gracious and I know he's kind and I know he's not going to leave me and he's going to sustain me through that. But maybe your view of God is from some relationship you had where somebody left you. And so you see it that way. And even though you intellectually know it, there's hurts in your life that makes you think maybe he's not right. Maybe he's like my earthly father and not the heavenly father that I know. And so we start to Kind of, But then over time, as you walk through those things and you endure and you persevere and that gives way to a proven character, then there's a greater hope that you see this proven track record of God showing up over and over. That he is who he says he is. And you begin to know what you knew, you begin to know more fully. You begin to see it in that way. It'd be like uh, if you're I know a lot of UGA fans, a lot of Georgia football fans. If Mark Rick, the head coach of Georgia, were to uh, retire tomorrow or the end of the season and they could go and hire maybe the best coach there is. Maybe you can debate over who that is. Uh, I'll let you fill in the blank. A proven track record or they say we're going to hire an unknown coordinator that you never heard of. What are you going to be more (laughs) confident You're going to be confident in the proven guy that's done it over and over. And so when we walk through these things and we begin to see God showing up and and walking with us and that we see more clearly what he always was, but now we're seeing it in our life. And it's this more seeing more clearly what he's doing and more more confidence and we begin to see how he's working. And so what we see just clearly as he brings us through is this endurance to character and then this character to hope. That it shows us, proves to us, moves with us in that. And so then you get to the very last thing in verse five. And hope does not put us to shame because God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I love that picture, that thought there, because God's love has been poured into. It has been spread to every corner of your being through his spirit. And you start to think about this picture and what Paul's taking us to. And there's this very kind of real world. You make it through this. You endure through it. It it bears witness to your character. And yes, that helps you. But then he gives you this ending part where he talks about the Holy Spirit of rejoicing in your sufferings because God is pouring out his love in the Holy Spirit in you. And it's this assurance that God gives us, this experiential, the spirit with us and working in our life. And I think there's a couple ways you can see that. You can look back on your life and say that I've endured through this and it's proven character. And I begin to see and you can look back and you see cumulatively how the Holy Spirit was leading you and guiding you and holding you up and walking with you in that. And you begin to see that kind of cumulatively through your life. And you begin to see that, you know More clearly who it is and what God's doing. And I see that as you read through and you think about that and how God does that. But I think there's another way to see this here. And I'm going to end with this as we just end this morning thinking about that. Uh, This Paul kind of appeals to this experience of God's love being poured out into your heart, being worked into every corner of your being through the Holy Spirit and this this experience and, and as I think about this and I think about all the things we've talked about up to this point and the way God is moving and working in our life and, and what he does and the things that we've talked about. And I, and I read this and I hear him say this of, of that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And I think about the things in my life. I just confess that I'm 37 years old. I'll be 38 in a month. And so a lot of you have a lot of years on me. Uh, the, the suffering and the experiences that I have known and gone through in my life pale in comparison to a lot of you. Just say that. I'd be, I know that to be true. And, and I don't want to belittle what you've gone through or those kind of things. But I can only speak from my own experience. Some of you are younger than I am and have gone through harder things than I have gone through. It's not necessarily an age thing. But in my life and in my experience, when I read this, when he talks about more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, seeing that God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I can look at that and I can say, I not only intellectually know that, I know that. And I know that because at the very most difficult, deepest hurt, most hardest suffering in my life, God showed up. And it's not just something I intellectually know and I tell you, well, this is what the Bible says and this is what these words say. But it actually happened. And so my brother died on a Saturday night late and I didn't find out till Sunday. And of course, when that happens, when your 29 year old brother dies, you don't sleep. And it's kind of a shock of what's going on, but God's showing up in different ways in those things And I remember not sleeping I remember getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and sitting on my porch. And I opened God's Word and I read Job. And then I read Revelation. And God poured out His love into my heart through the Spirit. In a way I had never experienced before. And when I tell people about that experience, they go... It's the weirdest thing because sometimes I want to go, man, I go through it all over again in a second, even though I desperately would love to have my brother back. But I know the love of my father, that his spirit is there and leading and guiding. And I remember that so vividly and I see it so clearly. And it's not just an intellectual thing of I'm still here and I'm still believing, which is true. Paul says all this, you walk through it and you continue to believe and there's proven character and you have a stronger hope. And that is all true. And there's these times, though, what we talked about a couple weeks ago, that God is near in our suffering. A few years before that, probably the two most vivid times. Joanna, before Asher was born, we lost our first baby, the very first one. And then the second one, everything seemed to be good and we went back for a ultrasound and the heartbeat was gone. And so the second one, and I remember just thinking, what's going on? You know, what I'm talking about, that putting one foot in front of the other. I don't really get this, God, and I'm not sure. And it wasn't, hey, praise God, this is so great and we're rejoicing in our suffering. It was struggling through that. But I remember a week later going outside and running up my hill and I'm listening to music and on my headphones and praying, and God poured out the love of His Son through His Spirit in my life. I went, Whoa. Thank you, God, that He does that, that He shows up in those moments and He walks with you. And it's not always that way. There's days where it's long steps of what's going on, and I'm not sure. But He is there working and walking with you, and teaching you, and showing you, and he hasn't left you. And he's not gone, and he's there with you, in all that. And so when I read what Paul says here, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Do yes, I've seen God show up in those things, and pour out his love, and continue to guide and hold. And I know that can be difficult at different times. I don't make light. You might be right now in the spot where you're just struggling to put one foot in front of the other. But he is there. He hasn't gone anywhere. He is there with you, walking with you, will be there. And so continue to trust him in the midst of that. We have a loving father who's given us all things through his son. And so trust in that. let's pray. God, I thank you. Uh, For the truth of your word. I thank you for the ways that you are here moving with us, loving us, teaching us, correcting us. I thank you for the truth of your word. And even as I see uh, today, as we shared in the time before this and the things that are going on, as Nathan shared today, that this passage was exactly what he was saying that your spirit is moving in in all ways and in different places and, and through us and in us in ways far beyond our comprehension. And we thank you for that. I pray right now for those in this place that have very real suffering right in front of them this day, that they would know the love that you give us through Jesus, that they would know it in a very real way through your spirit, that you would minister to them, that you would use people around them to encourage and love them and care for them. We do thank you for all that you've given us, and we pray all of it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.